Welcome to Homestand Leafs, powered by Sports Interaction, Sportsbook, and Casino, your homegrown sportsbook. Bet local. There you go. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney. We'll tell you why the Leafs road trip wasn't a success at all. Well, on today's show, the Leafs beat the Kraken thanks to Ilya Samsonov. Is he back, Pooney? Why Simone Benoit needs to replace TJ Brody? And how the hell does Nick Robertson have more goals than Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi? We got a lot to get to, so let's get this thing started. I'm Albert Vartanian, he's Justin Pooney, and this is Homestand Leaps. It was just really important for me. You know, like I'm I'm being a really, really bad spot, special for mental. But I'm good right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ilya Samsonov, that was him after last night's game. A big win for the Toronto Maple Leafs in Seattle against the Kraken. But the story coming out of it, Justin Pooney, is Samsonov's play. He wasn't spectacular, but he made spectacular saves when he needed to make saves. He looked incredibly confident. His first win since December 9th, Justin Pooney. Mm -hmm. What do you got to say about Ilya Samsonov? Uh, Bravo, Ilya Samsonov. It's not normally that a 16-save performance, you know, deserves first star of the game, but that's what he was last night. Um, I just want to talk about the mental aspect of it because that's such the – that is the issue or the, the topic of discussion when we talk about Ilya Samsonov. Um, this had the this had the type of game where he could let in a bad goal or let in a, a stinker, and it could have changed the whole complexion of the game because the Leafs dominated the time of possession. They dominated the shots, right? He only fit, he only faced 17 shots, made 16 saves, right? He didn't get a whole lot of work, but the fact that he was mentally sharp throughout the game, and whenever he needed to make a timely save or a big save, he made it. That not only helps him confidence-wise, but most importantly, it also helps the team in front of him because now they know that, hey, we can dominate the whole game. He can be sitting back there and have no action for extended periods of time. But in case we do slip up, right, he's going to be back there to help us out. And that right there is such a huge key, Albert, for Samsonov. Um, and you heard him say in his post-game press conference that it was good for his mental, right? Um, that's a guy who just wants any small victory, small victory, small victory. We talked about the last time he played as well. Uh, against Detroit. Um, that right there was an impressive performance. I know people don't want to really, it's not glamorous or sexy, but it was sturdy. It was solid. And that's exactly what Samsonov needs to do because Martin Jones, is, you know, his play has been kind of leaky of late. Well, everyone's asking the question, is he back? Mm, but what is back, Justin Pooney? Back, back from what? Back from being horrible? Oh, come on. Right? Why? The guy's got some issues no, but is that what he's back from? Is that, is that what he's back from being horrible? Like, well, he was horrible. Yeah. He goes down to the Marlies for a 10-day stint to reset, mentally reset. He comes mm. back, and he's looked pretty good so far. I think it's worth mentioning that the players in front of him, the team played a full defensive de- performance mm-hmm. in front of him, which mm-hmm. helped a lot. It, it reminds me of when he picked up the shutout against Nashville. Yeah. Similar performance. Worth mentioning, though. I think this is really worth mentioning. The Kraken are sliding. And they're yeah. already lacking some star power heading into that game, right? No Yanni Gord, who picked up a, a two-game suspension. suspension yep. Vince Dunn out. Matty Beneers out. Kyler Yamamoto out. Uh, so Seattle was hurting on the offensive side, and they already went into that game, I think, the 27th-ranked yeah. offense in the NHL. Good game for Samson off the plan, and a good game for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs to mm-hmm. bounce back from, from that loss against Vancouver, which we will get to. But also, I mean, it, I think it takes a lot for a netminder to go in there and backstop a team that's got two wins in their last seven. Yeah. Not great. Coming off that loss to Vancouver. So a lot of positive for me when it comes to Elias Samsonov. And there was points in the game, especially in the third period, I don't think he saw his first shot until about like six minutes, seven minutes to go. Right. Which some people will say, oh, well, he didn't really have much to do. Well, on the other hand, 
he's sitting around for a long time. Goalies only like that. They like to be tested quite often to mm-hmm. stay sharp. And he stayed sharp. He made some spectacular saves. That split save where he made two or three stops, that's something we haven't seen Samsonov do since last season. Let's be real. Absolutely. That was by far, I know it was just 16 saves, but his best performance. Now, it's what comes next, right? You know, Jones has been having a tough time. He's given up, what, 20 goals in his last five starts. His save percentage is 867. He he's tired. A, he's a third stringer. I mean, this is what he is, right? He's he's played he's played past, I would say, what his level should be so far in the NHL. But there's going to be some regression, and the regression is coming right now. And I hate to tell you that I told you guys this before a couple weeks ago, that when you keep on running this guy, he's going to get fatigued. He's going to get mentally fatigued. He's going to get physically, physically fatigued. We I, th- saw I that. think the Leafs knew that too, but Justin, they had no choice. I understand that, but now look at the situation you're in. Well, now you have to lean more on Samson, and he's just getting back right now is that the right option right you should have played Hildeby you should have done something else to maybe give Jones a rest because now Albert they're still like in the middle of a dog fight to just make the playoffs right, right. and now they have back to back not back to back but this week they play two games against the Winnipeg Jets it's going to be interesting to see um, I assume Jones will get the first game against Winnipeg but if he doesn't perform well do they go back to Samsonov on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets as well that's going to be something that's going to be a very interesting storyline throughout this week for the Leafs right. whereas how do they go about this goaltending situation now because if they play Winnipeg on Wednesday and they get shelled and for example Jones doesn't look good does Sheldon Keith go back to him, or does he insert Samsonov, which in turn would mean then Samson has a bigger chance of getting back that number one goalie position, the number one spot, you know, the number one net, right? Can he hold on to it? Can he hold on to it? And then again, back. we haven't heard anything about Joseph Wall recently. Well, he was on the trip. He was, he on, was the on the trip, swing. but we haven't really heard anything about timeline-wise on right. when he's going to come back or anything like that. So it's still status quo. You're going to need Jones and Samsonov moving forward. Um I think you need to give Martin this break for the next couple of days could be very beneficial to Martin Jones. Let him rest, let him recuperate, let them get back here to Toronto. Let him, you know, I would even let him maybe the morning skate or whatever. I would let him just rest until Wednesday and maybe just get him out for the morning skate. Let this guy get his body back up because he's been playing a whole lot of hockey, been facing a whole lot of shots, right? Let him get right and then throw him back in and see what happens from there because he's an older guy too. He needs to get some rest. Chris Cuthbert made a great point at the end of the game, saying for the first time in a long time, the Leafs actually have a decision to make on who's going to start a next, in their next yeah. game. And to me, I really believe it should be Ilya Samsonov. Because I you think, think he starts on Wednesday. you, you got to ride the confidence as much as you can. And at yeah. some point, you have to try and figure out if this guy is going to be a factor in your season moving forward, mm-hmm. whether or not. And I, that happens right now. You put him in net. If he has another good outing against Winnipeg Jets, then you're sitting pretty. Then Joseph Wall potentially comes back in the All-Star break. And now you have another question to answer. Now mm-hmm. we got three goalies. Who, Which two are we going to stick with? So, I mean, you know, baby steps first. But I do think Samsonov uh, should get to start. We'll talk about that on Wednesday, uh, obviously, yeah, of course. on the next podcast. Um, so the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they split their Western Road Swing, which um, I was not expecting. After the Edmonton game, but they bounced back against Calgary. Mm-hmm. The video review, Jordan Bean, Sam Smith. The, Sam uh, Smith? Sam stimul- Smith? Stimulus package, Sam Kim. Sam Kim, Sam yeah. Smith, Sam, Sam Smith Kim, Sam Kim. Um, and then they have an interesting game against Vancouver, one that you want to touch on right now, where they go down, they come back, come back in the second period, go down once again, and, and somehow down. bounce back against the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, no uh, – it's funny, this whole the whole last week we talked about how the Leafs got up to good starts, they build these leads up, and then they blow them. Well, the exact opposite happened on Saturday, where the Canucks came out, guns a-blazing, and they got up to a big 3 nothing lead in the first period. Then the Leafs come all the way back 
tie it 3-3. Like you've mentioned this whole weekend, Albert, to me, is that they played 19 great minutes in the second period, <laughs> but then they didn't close out the final That's 60. True. Connor Garland scores. The Canucks get up on the lead. The Leafs come back and tie it, and the Canucks score two quick goals back to back, and they end up winning the game. Um, you can't be putting yourself behind the eight ball that, that much, especially, again, the Canucks didn't do themselves any favor by blowing that lead, but the fact that you're down three, I think you have to work extra hard just to get back into the game, right? That's not going to happen all the time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So when I look at that situation, Yes, they split the road trip, Albert. Yes, they were two and two, and they, you know, they got they had a nice win against Seattle, but the win against Calgary, we talked about, it wasn't really a convincing win. You know, the game against Edmonton, another blown lead. There's, I don't know if I feel if coming out of this road trip, do I feel any more positive with the Toronto Maple Leafs? I really don't. I feel kind of a little bit more negative because they played kind of three bad games, right? They didn't play. There was no resounding 60-minute performance. Last night kind of was, right? Again, there was some... That was one of those games last night. It was just one of those game, uh, the dead of the season games you have to just kind of slide through, and they did. But there wasn't a convincing victory. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I wanted to see if the Leafs would come on this road trip and you know put a stamp on one of the games. Like We won this with a bullet. You know, we won this. We dominated this from start to finish. The game was never in question. Um, and I didn't see that from this team this trip. And that worries me now because now, we, like you mentioned, you're playing against the Winnipeg Jets, the second-best team in the Western Conference before the All-Star break. Um, you want to build some momentum going into the break where you feel good about your game, your team feels good, you know, you're in a, you're in a solidified playoff position. Um, I just don't feel that sense right now with the Leafs, Albert, because there's still so many things going wrong. Um and yes, they got the two points last night, but there's still a whole lot of issues with this team. Yeah, I can't even count on one hand like how many times they've put their stamp on one game and just yeah. said, oh, we're here. It's not the case. But I will say this. I don't want to be too negative. I feel like I'm, I've been that way for the past <laughs> couple of weeks well, now. Well, you have to be. But when the Leafs, they, they, they've shown that they can go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the NHL. You know, mm-hmm. They did that against Vancouver. Okay, the, the final score was 6-4, but they were in that game up until the end. Yeah. You know, even though they needed to come back. Same thing with Edmonton. Same thing with L.A. When they play the top teams, they, they can they can play that level. Unfortunately, throughout the entire 60 minutes, they can't put together 60 minutes. They can put together 19 minutes, like I said, against Vancouver. Right. And despite of how poorly they've been playing mm-hmm. and how many issues we know that they have, when you look at the bottom six and secondary scoring and defense and goaltending and they need left wingers, yada, yada, yada. They need more out of John Tavares. They need Nylander to to start picking up once again. Mm. They're only four points behind the Florida Panthers for second spot in the Atlantic. Albert, this is the... You know, based on what we talk yeah. about and how we talk about this team, you would never think they would even be in touching distance, but here we are. Well, look at their schedule. Let's look at the last month, right? Their victories are against Pittsburgh, who not a playoff team right now, right? They beat the Rangers impressively. I think that was the one game we considered they put a stamp on. They beat LA, right? But then you look, they just had the lack of ability to beat good teams. They lose to Edmonton. They lose to Vancouver. They lose to Colorado. They lose to the Islanders, right? The Carolina loss. Um, In then, all of those games, though. Yeah. And I'm not here for moral victories. And yeah, people but, exactly. say, are, are we at the point with the Leafs where they're, you know, we want to call them cup contenders, but we're going after moral victories? No, but I'm no. just saying they're not far off where they need to be. There's still there's a lot of surgery needs to be done yeah. throughout this team, but they can play with the best. But my point with that was is they're beating up on – teams that they should be winning right but i mean but they can't beat they playoff be beating, caliber yeah. teams right they can't they don't have beaten a playoff caliber team since the la game which was in the beginning of this month right yeah um and then again after that who did they really be other than the rangers 
and then they beat you know Nashville's a playoff team. They lost to Boston in early December. Um, they haven't really had other than that. I think the four game win streak they had in November, where they beat uh, Calgary, Vancouver, Detroit, and Minnesota. Right, that's like the, the most impressive stretch they've had this season. I think. But two they of those, I think, were in Sweden. Yeah, that was a Sweden series, the global series. Where before they went to Sweden, we had a week break in between. But that's what I'm thinking. I was like, again, the lack of ability to beat playoff teams. And you look at their schedule going ahead. Their next four games are against two against Winnipeg, the Islanders, the Stars. Then you got the Senators, St. Louis, Philly again. So there's a lot of games there where you're playing up against some really high-quality yeah. opponents. And if they can't have the ability to beat these good teams, it's going to hurt. right? It's really going to hurt them, Albert, because they need – to get start winning against good teams. You can beat up on all the bad teams all you want, but you look at their schedule going forward to the end of the season, there's a whole lot of good teams and there's going to be a whole lot of urgent teams as well that you're playing up against. Yeah, and depending on what happens in terms of wins and losses, mm-hmm. who will be the coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs? For the time being, it's Sheldon Keefe. Uh, let's take a quick break. Mm-hmm. After this, I want to talk about Keefe. More specifically, I want to talk about TJ Brody and Morgan Riley and why Keefe, why I think Keefe should split up the pair, at least for the time being. Yeah. All right, Puni, so a lot's mm-hmm. being talked about still. What's going on with Sheldon Keefe? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? I want to say within the fan base, it's probably 60-40 in terms of how they feel about Keefe uh, being with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 60 being Keefe out. Uh, and we'll get to that. But I want to start with some of his – he likes to put lines in a blender. He likes to try different things. But one thing he hasn't been trying is taking TJ Brody off the top pairing of Morgan Riley. And I want to preface this by saying, you know, it sounds like I constantly pick on the guy, but he just, he hasn't been good. And I understand he's probably going through a lot. Unfortunately, Brody's wife has MS. So he's dealing with that. In November, I believe his father passed away from cancer. Mm -hmm. And I don't care, you know, what you do for a living. Those things are going to affect you. And if you watch him play, it's affecting him. In the offensive zone, the defensive zone, like last night, he's just coughing up the puck with simple passes. He's giving away the puck. He's misreading things. He can't clear the zone, and it's happening time and time again. And if you look at the last, what, four games with him and Riley together, they've been on the ice for five goals against. And that may not seem like a lot, but it is for your top pairing because those are your two horses are going to be out there in almost every situation. So you need them to be at your best, and you need them to, to to do the basics correctly. And if you watch Brody at the moment, he can't clear the front of the net. The, la- the effort isn't there. It's almost a lack of effort. When he's trying to clear the zone, it- it's very soft. It's causing the Toronto Maple Leafs issues more often times than not. But game and game and game and game and game and again, what's Sheldon Keefe doing? He's keeping them together. I don't know why he doesn't just try and switch them up and maybe put Simon Benoit beside Morgan Riley. And people will say that's kind of crazy, but let me tell you why. If you go back to the last postseason, name the best defensive pairing – for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Can you remember? No. Morgan Riley and Luke Shen. And when Luke okay, Shen yeah, came yeah, in, yeah, everyone right, was you're like, right. you're putting Shen with Riley? That ended up being their shutdown pair. They were logging the most mm-hmm. minutes. Morgan Riley would talk about how much he loved playing with Luke Shen because Luke Shen plays the physical side of the game. You know he's going to clear the front of that every time. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly how to clear the zone. That allows Riley to play his offensive game. And Riley's defensive abilities are pretty good too. Now you put put someone like that beside him, it upped his game. And that was Morgan Riley's best performance in a playoff that he's ever played in as a Toronto Maple Leaf. So I say give a shot to Simon Benoit. At this moment in time, Ooh. 
at this moment in time, you're trying different things. You have to try something with your top pairing. You might have to drop Brody to a bottom three. Unfortunately, you can't scratch him. Benching him is not the answer because they don't have the bodies to overcome that. I mean, they have to rest Giordano every other game almost because he's an older player and you don't want that to get that, that many miles on the guy's legs heading into the postseason. So you got to try something different. Keith loves trying things with the bottom six, loves trying things with the bottom two pairings. I think it's time to start to do something with the top pair. That's okay. Well, good. first things first, it's good, it's good what you prefaced on what TJ Brody's dealing with uh, in his personal life. Because again, that is something that is, you know, weighs on you heavy. I know Brock Besser last year, you know, lost his father. And he was very openly emotional about how it affected him and affected his, his, his season. Right. And, we're, and we're seeing now this year with Brock Besser, you know, he's coming with a clear mind, a clear conscience. And he's been on fire, right? Um, TJ Brody is logging those minutes with Morgan Riley also because they have no other options, as you mentioned, right? They just don't have the capable bodies to log those type of minutes. Um, when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, Albert, yeah, you could try putting a guy like Simone Benoit up at the t- up with the top pair or something like that. Um, it's very, you know, I'm just looking at the ice time last last night. Um, let me pull it up right here. Last night, the ice time was dispersed by Benoit played 16 minutes. You know, Brody 21 minutes, 19 for Lilligren, and then Connor Timmins played the least amount with 12 minutes. Right? Um, yeah. Do you? But do you? You can. The Leafs need a guy like Connor Timmins to play 16 minutes as well. They need to have it spaced out and spread it out a lot more because they're very thin. Connor Timmins is going to be playing 16 minutes tonight. But that's what I'm saying. They need. They need him to elevate his game because, like you mentioned. Do you want a guy like TJ Brody who's been struggling all season to be logging 20-plus minutes a game out there against another team's top pairing? Well, that's what I mean. Top that's exactly, exactly what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Either, either you have to make a move or you need to have somebody elevate their play within from within. And I just don't see that. You know, he's being forced into a position where he's probably not slotted to be in. TJ Brody at this point in his career is a bottom six, you know, a bottom pairing guy or a fifth or sixth defenseman, in my personal opinion. Um, I don't see him as a top pairing guy. And you mentioned Luke Shen. The difference between Luke Shen and TJ Brody is Luke Shen is much more of a stay-at-home guy, and he's a bigger body that can clear the front of that. TJ Brody is not the biggest, almost physically imposing defenseman out there. Right, it's hard for him to clear out the front of the net with those forwards. We saw that on Saturday against Vancouver. We saw that last night as well. It's not that it's hard; it's physically he's not taxing doing on him. It. No, it's, he's it's, not doing it. You go back to to the game against Edmonton, mm-hmm. the lack of effort to get to the front of the net, like that has nothing to do with not being able to push somebody off the puck. There's more to it, and it I is. still think there's a a really good player there in TJ Brody. You don't just lose it. We've talked about this all season in Toronto, whether it's like Alec Manoa or Samsonov, and now TJ Brody. You don't just lose it. There's more to it. There's obviously more to it, and I should probably say that, uh, you know, I said Keith won't break up the top pair, but he actually mm-hmm. did that this season. I forgot to mention it. He did it in New York. He started Lilgren beside Morgan Riley. He lost that game. I think late in the game he made a change and then started it again against Buffalo. And I think right. Buffalo put nine on the leash that night. That and it didn't idea. work because Riley and Lilligren, two similar players. You need a good balance there. That's why I'm saying Simone Benoit. Once again, Benoit had another good game. He's been Mr. Consistent. Sheldon Keefe said the same thing. He goes, he's getting better and better and better and better. I think it's worth a shot. You take on Winnipeg, or maybe it's not this soon. Maybe you wait till mm-hmm. after the All-Star break. But something what? something needs to be done. You have to try something different. Morgan Riley's having a good season. Make it even better. Put something beside. Put someone beside him who's going to be his defensive uh, stalwart at least for. for I the just time don't. Being. I just don't think Keith trusts putting a guy like Benoit in there against an opposing team's top line. But right? he trusts Timothy Lilgren. What's the difference? Again, there's no difference. It's 
They're in this pickle where they don't have any defensemen, Albert. They have to do what they have to do, right? And I just don't. Yeah, something needs to be done. It it, needs to again, be done it has to be done. Either somebody plays better and somebody starts, you know, lighting the world on fire, um, or they make a move. And we know that they're probably not going to make a move at this particular. Yeah, they're pretty of the tight season, at the moment right? in terms of trying to make. Um, a move. Unlike the Edmonton Oilers, who of course acquired Corey. Yeah, Perry. they acquired Corey Perry today. Big yeah. move. I was looking at that roster. Yeah. How many Stanley Cup winners are on that team, Justin Pooney? There's Perry, and there would be. Ekholm, no Nurse, no. Is it just Perry? Answer, zero. Yeah, it's just, just Perry. Corey Perry, yeah. which I was shocked to see. I'm like, I thought there was someone else there. So that's a huge signing mm-hmm. for the Edmonton Oilers. Hopefully, it goes well for them. Uh, okay, before we get into the next block, let's chat about Nick Robertson. Yes, four goals in his last six, which means more goals than Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi. He has more five-on-five goals than John Tavares. Than John Tavares. <laughs> it's unbelievable what's going on right now with John Tavares. But back to Nick Robertson. Every time he plays, he scores. Yeah. Like, that's just what's going on. And there's a, a, a bit of a connection that's going on right now between him and, and Max Domi. Because if you look at the numbers, seven goals this season, which Robertson has, Domi has an assist in six of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what that tells me is I think Nick Robertson needs to stay in the lineup. Are you going to have some defensive breakdowns with Nick Robertson? Yes. Do the Leafs need secondary scoring badly? Yes. I went through the numbers on the last show. It's horrible. 69% of the goals, it's probably changed now, it's probably more, have come from the core four, right? Including Morgan Riley and Kelly Yonkrock. That's not good enough for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You need more goals. And for whatever reason, Nick Robertson, he comes in, he scores goals. He's got to stay with this big club, for at least for the time being. You know, he does a better job than McMahon. I think he's better out there than Holmberg. And people will fight me on that, but he should not be a first line pairing, a first line left winger with Matthew Knight or Matthew Knight with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Get a guy who's got some offense about him. Let him play. Yeah, look, uh, he heard the jokes that we made about him, about referring to him as Steve Korea and uh, Feder Fedorov and all that Steve stuff. Korea. And he turned his game around. Look, um, I did like the connection between, and I know I've been very hard on Max Domi this year, uh, but him and Nick Robertson do have some chemistry building right there. Now, how long is it going to last? We'll probably until Sheldon Keefe decides to change it up again. But I agree with you, Albert. I think Nick Robertson has his play of late, especially in the month of January, does deserve to stay in the lineup. He deserves to, you know, get a chance to, you know, get some run with this team. Um, you mentioned that, again, for a young player's comments, we were talking, was it last week or the week before, about how he might have to alter his game and become more of a checker to, you know, stay in the lineup and find the NHL career. Um, the offensive talent is there. That's never been the question. He's scoring him, goals. Keep right? him in the lineup. Keep him in the lineup. But, again, that's something you're looking for. You have to work on with him is his defensive game because that will make it, if you can, again, he's projected to, he's got seven goals on the year, 27 games played. I think he's on pace to score 13 or whatever. But if he can stay in the lineup consistently and you know maybe score another seven goals, if he can get to 15 goals this year, I think Nick Robertson will do a lot of justice for himself, a lot of confidence for himself going forward, and also to the front office staff that, hey, there's something there with this young player, a guy who is, I believe is what, only 21, 22 years old, I think. So there's still a whole lot of career left for this guy. He was you know a second-round pick. Um, I think him and Max Domi, if, they can just, if Sheldon Keefe can just relax on the bottom six and give this guy some runway, there could be some more confidence building, especially for a young player. That's such a big thing. Um, so kudos to Nick Robertson. Especially. We know what's going to happen. It's he's going to change. Robertson Ro- scores the goal. And he's going to be out of the lineup the next year. And season. he's scratched. Yeah. Uh, who shouldn't be scratched and no longer be on the fourth line is Matthew Nyes, as we mm-hmm. saw last night against the Kraken. We'll Great. take a quick break. We'll talk about that. And we got some Ryan Reeves quotes. What the hell is going on with Ryan Reeves and the Toronto Maple Leafs? Absolutely. 
Leave Nyes on the first line, Sheldon Keefe. Please stop dropping the guy down to the fourth <laughs> line. Play him on the first line. It's worked throughout the entire season. This is the last thing I want to touch on from that game against the Kraken. It was a good bounce back night, I thought, from Matthew Nyes. He actually picked up an assist. They took it away. Poor, poor Nyes. But uh, he, there was no production coming out of him from since the Detroit Red Wings game where he was demoted to the fourth line. But he drew a penalty. Uh, I thought he was solid on that line. Even Keefe said he thought he was unbelievable that night. So I get it. Nyes is a rookie. He's going to have his stumbling blocks throughout the season. But I think you got to give him some consistency. Keep him on the first line. Let him play. If you're going to make some changes, um, I don't think it should come Nyes' way, at least for the time being, because he really complements that line. That's all I want to say. We talked about it last week, uh, the fact that he was demoted to the fourth line and did nothing for him as well. And I think you saw him back being the comfortable self he is, Matthew Nyes, with Austin Matthews and with Mitch Marner. A line that dominated. That was their best line last night. They dominated 5-on-5. Five five. They had a whole bunch of scoring chances. Of course, Matthews scored that highlight real goal. Um, when Nyes is on there like that and he's going the way he's going like uh, last night, that's exactly what they need from him. He's not going to... He's the perfect complement to Mitch Marner and Matthew... Uh, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Excuse me. Um, Sheldon Keefe just needs to understand that, hey, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Just let it be. Let Matthew Nice play in that role. Let him be comfortable. Because then also, when he's not forced to carry a line, he's the third guy. He can do all the dirty work. He doesn't have to go outside of his boundaries. Again, this is a young player here where he's still trying to find himself in the NHL, trying to figure out his game. When he has two you know, all-stars and one superstar on his line, he can just kind of slot in and just, you know, do all the dirty work, find loose pucks, get to open spaces, and, you know, play a game like that. Play it playing simple. When you're on the fourth line or on the third line, you have checking responsibilities involved. You have, you know, other, you know, physicality you have to play. And you also have to be a guy that has to drive the line for offensive zone production. Um, and I think that's a lot to put on a young player. So when you see with him, with Marner and Matthews, he can just play his game. He doesn't have to overthink. He's not overanalyzing anything. He just plays hockey. And I think that's why we see Matthew Nyes at his most effective when he's just free-flowing, not overthinking his game. Just quickly, where are you at with Sheldon Keefe? I like Sheldon Keefe. go. I like Sheldon Keefe as a coach. I don't think he has the full control he wants in the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think, you know, he's having decisions made for him. Um, it's a difficult spot to be the coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I think to get the best out of this group, this core, um, I don't know if he's the right guy for it. Um, I really would think a hard-nosed guy, a guy that's going to hold you know these players accountable, a guy that's going to you know not be afraid to throw them under the bus when needed, or you know really you know get dig into them and not back off that you know Sheldon Keefe has done before. A guy like Craig Berube, a veteran coach like maybe a Joel Quenville, right? a guy who can. There's no one to work with superstar players, and but keep them in check and keep them in their lane. Um, that is something that's very important, I think, especially with a high-profile team like the Leafs, and I don't think Sheldon Keefe is the man for that. Everyone loves the, uh, well, you can't fire everybody, so someone's got to go. That is true. And everyone wants, I think it sounds like, Sheldon Keefe to go. Uh, who's out there right now? Uh, Craig Berube, mm -hmm. Jay Woodcroft is out there, Dean Evison is out there. Yeah. Who am I missing? Oh, Quenville you mentioned, Quenville, which... Yeah. I think he needs to be reinstated, reinstated by the NHL. He's got to have a meeting with... He needs to talk with Gary Bennett. Gary, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think I I, I said this multiple times, mm -hmm. right? It, what happens before the All-Star break, I think, is going to determine his future. Before right. that, I was thinking probably the playoffs. He has until the playoffs. But with what's going on and how the team is playing and uh, obviously not locking in a playoff spot, at least not yet anyway, they're, they're not that mm -hmm. comfortable. It's, it's going to weigh against him. So we're going to have to wait and see.
Okay, Ryan Reeves. You remember that guy? <laughs> Who? Ryan Reeves, Bradtree Living, signed him. <laughs> signed him to a big contract. Yeah. Um, so it looks like he's got some things to say. Uh, just to reiterate, he's uh, making 1.35 per season up until 2025, 2026. Okay, so here's what he had to say the other day. He was asked about if he's ready or not, if he's ready to go and how he's feeling. He said, yeah, I've been ready for a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, as to when he's going to come back, he said, that's a question for them. I'm not in those rooms, those conversations. I'm not going to speculate anything. Just stay ready. And if I get called upon, I do. If I don't, I get my work in. He says it's not fun, obviously, being scratched. Nobody likes watching hockey when your team's going out to battle. I definitely hate it, but there's nothing really more that I can do. I don't know exactly what the situation is or what's going to happen. I guess just stay patient and find out. Which I, What I find interesting about this whole thing, uh, one that he's talking, these comments coming out now, while the Leafs are in a horrible news cycle at the moment, is not great. It's not a great look for the organization. But... How is he on IR if he's ready to go? Is this just a player saying that he's ready to go, but he's actually not ready to go? Like, is, is there that whole situation going on there? I'm, I, I'm trying to read in between the lines here. He's clearly upset, but what does this mean for the Toronto Maple Leafs and who's telling the truth here? I, I don't see Ryan Reeves as a guy that would lie to the media like that. I think he's a pretty— I'm not calling him a liar. He's a straight shooter, right? I just see this is a team that's in cap hell. And they have a guy who's making $1.35 million who did not play well. And they're going to be like, oh, you know, our doctors haven't cleared you yet. Our doctors haven't cleared you. It's a circumvent. They're trying to circumvent the cap in a way where they can, you know, have some cap flexibility and not put right. Reeves back in so they can make a move to help the team. And this is not good because now this is putting eyeballs on the situation where, okay, if Reeves is healthy, why has he not been activated off IR? What's going on here? Why is he using terminology like healthy scratch? This guy's... On injured reserve, right? So that right there, does the I think does the players' association? Well, get no, involved? they haven't healthy scratched him because of the situation. He's been on the IR. No, that's what I'm saying. Like he's saying, I've been healthy scratched, right? I'm 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 not playing and I'm fully healthy, right? Um, that to me is interesting. Does does there now eyeballs from the league or players, the players' association come oh, onto yeah, this fact? Because that. like, you know, Reeves is a guy who's you know publicly spoken about how he's healthy. Um, again, it's it's the Leafs just trying to do what they do. Throw them on Robida Island and they go away, right? They, well, they don't even need to do that, though. That's true. Because if they send him down, if he clears waivers, which he probably should clear waivers, then it only count 200,000 counts towards the cap. So yeah. it's fine. You bring him up and down if you need him. At the moment, do the Leafs need Reeves? No. Do they need another anchor on the fourth line? No. Absolutely not. So it makes no sense. I just wonder if they send him down, if he gets picked up on waivers... Or is he get thrown into some sort of trade? I, I mean, there are teams out there who want him. That that's the truth. But it's they happened want him, before. Did, but do they want him at that price and for? Or no, it, obviously not in that term. But right? it could be a bottom dollar team who's got some space and they want to introduce maybe a different type of culture maybe, to the locker room. Maybe. And that's, but that's essentially what True Living wanted to do. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to pay you this, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Bill Guerin quote <laughs> backed up the Brinks truck for Ryan Reeves, <laughs> but you got to change the culture in here, right? So that yeah. was the whole plan. But uh, yeah, so Reeves is saying some things. Would he actually help this team right no. now? Let's be real. No, probably not. No chance. Okay, let's wrap up the show, Pooney. It's time for Burt and Pooney's Bankroll Booster. This segment is brought to you by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. All right, Pooney, we got two bets today. Yes. What do you got for us? Uh, I'm actually going on the specialty market on Sports Interaction. Austin Matthews to score 70 goals in a 23-24 at plus 500. Albert I know, I know 70 goals is crazy. It's nuts. Nobody wants to think about it. But Austin Matthews right now is projected to score 69 goals this season, Mm. right? 
If he scores 70 in, what, 80 games it would be, it would be the 10th best season of all time goal scoring-wise. Um, I think he does it. I would not I would not be hesitant to place a responsible wager on this. Uh, I think Austin Matthews has been the best player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's probably going to win the heart. He's my, you know, favorite to win the heart trophy right now. Um, if he scores 70, he's the MVP for sure. But this bet right here is something that I would definitely, definitely look at because He's been scoring every game, it pretty much looks like, and he's been his goals have helped the Leafs win games. So take Austin Matthews to score 70-plus goals this season. 24 goals since December 1st mm-hmm. for Austin Matthews. He's on a heater. I'm going uh, with your Canucks hey. against the Blackhawks. I'm going to go money line and the over six over machines, the best over team in the NHL. So that's mm-hmm. our bets. I like that plus 500 for Matthews to hit that number. That was Burton Pooney's Bankroll Booster, brought to you by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. All right, that's it from us here at Homestand Leafs. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, we drop new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yes, that's Homestand Leafs three times a week. And you can find us anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. And don't forget, guys, to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Five stars, please. That will make Justin Pooney a very happy man. Also, if you want to send in a question, either through an email or a voice message, send them to Leafs at HomestandSports.com. We'll read or play your questions, concerns, or insults towards Justin Pooney on our Friday episodes. That email, again, is Leafs at HomestandSports.com. And for Justin Pooney, I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Leafs.